This is Hope FM. And as you heard at the top of the programme there, Neil and Jenny Ross are my very special guests uh, today and uh, got a lot of ground uh, to cover. You heard me saying they have a, they have a big family and two autistic boys and, uh, and, and two other boys as well, Josh, uh, who's 22, and uh, uh, Jonathan, who's uh, turning 18 next week. Right. Well, welcome to you both. Thank you. Um, now, let's begin at the very beginning. Let's begin with your faith journey. Jenny, you, know, hard, you were brought up in a Christian family, weren't you? I was very blessed to have an, um, a lovely, loving home. <clears throat> yeah, um, we lived in um, a place just outside um, London called New Morden in Surrey. Um, my dad was the choir master. My mum was a, a brown owl. <laughs> so basically my life was the church. It was my second home. And were you a brownie? I was a brownie, yeah. And I, was a, I, I think I started singing in the, in the choir from about three years old because obviously babysitters were hard to come by. <laughs> and I didn't have much choice. So, so yeah, and we lived right around the corner from the church. So basically, it was, yeah, the church was my second home. I did everything there. So so when, yeah. did, when did you take it up? Because obviously it's one thing being you know, brought up in a Christian home and it gives you a good start doesn't it but yeah. uh, but when did the penny drop for yourself um i wouldn't say the penny dropped but i think as a child growing up i just i've because of the amount of um influence i had through the church i've never not believed in god i've always believed in god i've never had any doubts that um there is a jesus i think i remember as a child even i even thinking about the word jesus just gave me lots of love you know, i used to feel love when i used to think about jesus and when we used to read stories about jesus and so i, I wouldn't say i just suddenly it came light i don't think i've ever i think as i've grown up got older it's become more meaningful spiritually you know and i've grown spiritually and i've obviously had times in my life where I've had a few doubts and I've been a bit angry with God because of situations I've been in. But generally, I, I, I wouldn't say I was a, a Christian that was just suddenly saw the light. It's been a very slow progress, really, for And, me. of course, a lot of people would share the same experience, you know, like, you know, wouldn't even be able to put a day and a time, you know. No. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but nevertheless, you know, you, you, you put, sort of grew in your faith. And, of course, you, you're probably like everybody else, still, still asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Neil, you're, you were quite different when you were brought up in a big family. Yeah, I'm one of nine children. Um, we grew up in Hackney in East London in a three-bedroom council flat. Uh, my, my parents weren't Christian, so I didn't go to church as a youngster, apart from when I joined the Boy Scouts and we went to church parade once a month. So yeah. yeah. So at least you had you had those organisational things together, the brownies mm. and your yeah. kids. I was a BB man. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys were going. Yeah, yeah. So when did the, when did the whole God thing, you know, begin to come onto your radar? Uh, so for me, so in. Um, I've been married before and I've got two daughters in um, November um, was it 1987 we moved to a new house and a, a new build in, in Hornchurch in Essex it was a new area and shortly after we, um, we had a group from the local church knock on their door and say welcome to the area and they invited us to church so we started going just before christmas 1987 so was this where you're with your with your your previous wife so my wife didn't go i just took my daughters uh -huh. just, just me and my two girls sure. went leading up to christmas but something happened in the following march that um, made me believe well you have to tell us yeah. what happened <laughs> well i'm i'm like jenny i'm mum for dates and times and so in the in the following march um 
I'd still been going to the church, but what happened, uh, I was talk- talking to one of my brothers, and he said that he had a spirit in his house that claimed to be my dad. And my dad died when I was a child. So I got, I got really angry. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that, would be a, that would be a normal reaction, uh, wouldn't it? Oh, oh, angry because your dad had left you suddenly? Yeah, and, and the fact that... Um, I was a bit disappointed that he said it. So anyway, he he laid down the gauntlet. He said, "Well, if you don't believe me, come and come and find out." So I went to his house and uh, he set up a Ouija board. If you've ever done it, like, uh, letters A to Z and two two glasses, uh, one glass and a yes and a no and a pad. So we sat down and while he, while he was doing that, I went to the other side of the room and I wrote a message on a bit of paper. And I put it in my top pocket so he couldn't see. And then when we sat down at the table, we put his, we put our fingers on the glass, and this glass moved with power, and it spelled out exactly what I had in my pocket. So, so obviously I broke down and cried, and I believed it was my dad. And then the following few days, I started to feel uncomfortable about it. I felt something wasn't right. So I invited a vicar from the local church to come to my house and talk to me about it. And he said to me that he didn't believe it was my dad. He said he believed it was a counterfeit spirit. And then he invited me to give my life to Jesus, which I did. So, and so that, what, that's a, you, I think you're the first person I've ever interviewed who's come to Christ through the through the influences of, of a Ouija board. We don't commend use of Ouija boards <laughs> no. at all, but 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 yes. And uh, so that so that was a, an amazing thing. Yeah. So in that following week, I went to. A, to a home group from the church and I told everyone that I'd become a Christian and so all the men, you know, they, they cheered at first and they prayed for me, all the men prayed for me and after they finished praying this young lady came up to me and said um, while they were praying that the Lord gave her a verse for me because I was really worried about what was going on with the Ouija board and it was uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 and, um, and anyway, and then she told me about some verses in the Bible that says don't get involved with mediums or spiritualists and then she told me about St Paul about the full armour of God so that was the start of it and then there's a second bit to tell <laughs> absolutely so Jenny uh, I mean was it? I need to ask you it's Valentine's next week you know <laughs> and uh, how did you meet well um, at the time before you met I was, I was nannying in Clapham in London because <clears throat> that was my job mainly a nanny and um, I had a few weeks off in the holidays and I thought and my people I work with suddenly said, oh, you've got two weeks off at the end of August. And um, I thought, I either go home to Bournemouth for two two weeks or I get, get on a cheap holiday somewhere. And there was um, obviously a single girl on my own, not a lot of money. <laughs> um, I knew of these Oak Hall holidays, Christian holidays. And I thought that'd be a great cheap way to go on holiday and be with a bunch of... Because every summer as a child, I used to go on Christian camps and I was always doing something like that. This year, I wasn't doing anything like that. So I thought it'd be nice to just get away with some other bunch of Christians. So I obviously last minute went on this holiday to Switzerland I went on this big double-decker bus and um, it wasn't until after a few days and I got there, I actually met Neil and we just started chatting. And obviously as the week went on, we were chatting more and sitting together more and it just sort of started, (laughs) you know, yeah, that's where I met him. So when you first cast your eyes on this flower that sat opposite at me now, you know, uh, (laughs) what was going on with you? Well, when I first met Jenny, obviously I'm 15 years older than Jenny and I prayed about it and I felt, I said to the Lord, I feel like I'm too old for Jenny. 
and he said to me, well, what's it got to do with anybody else? I really felt him saying that. If I want to bless you with a, a, a young lady, what's it got to do with anybody else? And I really felt the Lord saying that to me. Was your marriage, was that was it finished by that time? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd been separated uh, about 10 years from before that. Yeah, so, so you've been 10 years so, on, on so your own? I was own. about 10 years on my own yeah. before I met Jenny, yeah. And were the children with you or with their mum? So the children used to visit me every other weekend because I managed to get a two-bedroom council flat uh, after the divorce, so they used to come and visit every weekend, yeah. Mm. Well, let, let's have your first piece of music, and it's very appropriate, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called uh, uh, No Longer Slaves. You've chosen it, so wh- mm-hmm. why this one? Um, th- I think this is more Neil. Yeah, well, what it is, we, um, we've started, <coughs> we started going to the Emmanuel Church about three years ago, and we, we learnt this song at the Emmanuel Church, and it, um, me and Jenny both said we feel like we've come home at the Emmanuel Church and, and this song reminds us of the Emmanuel Church in Southbourne. Let's have a listen. <laughs> this is Hope FM. That's I am they and I am a child of God. My very special guest today, uh, Jenny and Neil uh, Ross. And you just heard briefly there how both of them, Jenny uh, brought up in a Christian home, uh, Neil uh, quite the opposite. I don't think anybody in your family uh, went to church at, at that time. No. Um, when when they heard, because obviously you, you had left home and then you'd, you'd married and then yeah. you'd responded to the vicar knocking on the door yeah. uh, 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 and, and whatever. But I mean, obviously you, 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 had a, you had a difficult childhood, didn't you? Did you eventually go into foster care? Yeah, so what happened, um, my father was ill. He had a heart problem, so because um, I was one of nine children, my mum couldn't cope while he was in hospital on her own. Well, not with nine children. No, yeah. So, uh, so myself <coughs> and another sister and a brother, we got fostered out to a home in uh, foster parents in Saffron Walden in Essex, and uh, and then it, the reason it was so painful is because uh, I heard about my father's death across the breakfast table. I heard the foster parent tell my sister, and it was cut like a knife. And you, you know? were only seven at the only time. Seven, you? yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's no, we didn't have any counselling in those days like I do now. And when I came home, my, my mum never spoke about my dad from that day till now. And now my mum's dead, so I don't really know a lot about him, but I remember him enough to know that I loved him, you know. And I suppose, you know, like the, I mean, for so many of us, it's very, very hard to escape the hurt and the pain. Mm. And it comes in so many different ways. I guess for you, Jenny, you, you didn't quite have that, did you? No, not really. I, I was really blessed. I had the most amazing mum and dad. Um, felt very loved and not just from them but obviously being involved with a um, Christian family you have lots of family friends and that you're really close to and if I didn't have my mum and dad I knew I had other people I could talk to and yeah so when you because presumably you did get to know the challenges that Neil had had in his life you know from his family from his marriage not working and so on so you were you were a pretty damaged individual really I was in those younger days did you pick that up um, a little bit sometimes, yeah. He's, he's always been been a very emotional person, really. He's a, it's a real. He comes across as a big geezer, you know, East End geezer, but actually he's a real softy, huh. you know. He's, he's even had 
people at work say to him, I can't believe you're a Christian, you're a proper geezer sort of thing, you know. <laughs> How can you be a Christian, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, but I've, I've, he's, I've noticed even now sometimes when he talks about his dad, he still gets emotional about it. So it's obviously massively affected him, you know. Yeah. And I think it's it's made him um, appreciate his children, do you know what I mean, more as well. Mm. You know, um, obviously life hasn't been easy with our boys being autistic, but the love he's given them has been amazing, you know what I mean? And... I suppose that he's given the love that he never got from his dad, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I often think it was unfair in the Lord's Prayer, you know, where where we pray, "Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us or sin against mm. us." And I used to think that was quite unfair, you know, because because yeah. obviously a lot of things happen in our lives, and here in the prayer we're praying, "Forgive us," but there's a condition to it, and that condition is forgiveness. Uh, Clearly, you've had lots to go through and lots to forgive, Neil. Yeah, sure. Have you found it difficult? Yeah, I mean, at first, uh, you know, I was realised as I'm forgiving towards my mum at first, it wasn't until I become a Christian that I'd realised that she did an unhappy childhood as well and it helped me to forgive her. It's like a vicious circle, vicious isn't it? Vicious circle, yeah. Her mum died when she was 10 and she, she didn't really have the mother's love that she should have had. And and so I guess that's why she wasn't particularly good with me. And. Uh, so forgive me, mum. Yeah. So, how did your mum and and your your brothers and sisters react to you becoming religious? Well, yeah, we're all surprised, but they've got God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the geezer's got God. <laughs> but they, um, yeah, they're all happy for me. And they um, and later on that year, um, they all come to my baptism service because. Um, do you want me to talk about that? Oh, I'll, go for it, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't baptised as a baby, obviously, unless I said my parents weren't um, believers. But the, the, the thing that made me believe in God was that um, after I'd done the Ouija board, I come to realise there are such things as spirits. And so at the church they were talking about God being made up of three beings, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I reasoned if, if there's such things as spirits, then there can be a Holy Spirit. And that's what made it all real for me. And so the vicar said to me, well, I'd like you to um, get baptised, as you haven't been baptised as a baby. And he said, do you want to get baptised? I said, yeah. He said, would you like to get um, fully immersed? I said, yeah. So, yes, please. No hesitation there. Yeah. Then, yeah. So the, um, but of course, because it's Church of England. Yeah. Because they normally they're normally yeah. doing infant baptism, but then of course in the church we get this confirmation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The baptism and confirmation. Yeah, so you get baptised as a baby, yeah. and then you get confirmed later on. But uh, but of course, so, Church yeah. of England has many different strands, strands, and I guess that adult baptism they do as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, because uh, they don't normally have uh, full immersions, the, the the church, uh, the vicar had to organise a portable baptistry. And when a few of the congregation got wind of this, they, they were unhappy and a, a complained to the vicar, said, that's not the way we do it in the Church of England. And before the service died, he had to read to them um, what it says in the canon, that um, actually this goes right back to Saxon times, and to, uh, the Church of England, they do do it like that. It, you, if you haven't got a, a baptistry, you have to provide one. And so it's a shame he had to do that, but he had to read that because people didn't believe that the Church of England baptised full immersion, and they did. But, I mean, there it does throw up another challenge, doesn't it? Because yeah. a, um, tradition can be... It can be really good, you know, yeah. because we're... But it can also be really negative. We don't do things yeah. that way in this place. Yeah, uh, that's it. The vicar would say, well, yeah, we do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was... I'm not joking. That was the 6th of November, uh, 1988. I remember it well. So... We, 
but my family came to support me, which was good. I, I would have loved to be in a fly on the wall that day because yeah. uh, you, uh, Neil told me before the programme that uh, on the day of your baptism you made loads of notes. So you had a big speech oh, prepared. Yeah, I had a big speech prepared on uh, a A4 sheet of paper, or two sheets, I think. And when I went up to the front to speak, I, I looked up and saw about 200 people in front of me. And when I looked back to the sheet of paper, I couldn't see the words. I was so nervous. So I had to sort of mumble my way through. But I managed to say what I had to say. And, uh, yeah, so um, by that time as well, my eldest brother had become a vicar, so he was there, and uh, so all my family were there to support me, and it was a really good day, but there was something happened after that that's part of the story. If you Shall we have some more music, and then we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll come back? So your next piece of music is uh, Blessed Be Your Name. Now, this is the London Community uh, Gospel Choir, choir oh, with, yeah. with Matt Redmond. That's right. uh, so why this one? Well, because, as Jenny said earlier... Um, Although it's great to be a Christian, it's been difficult days as well. And, and as is what Matt Redmond's saying here, you know, um, sometimes you're on the pathway through the desert when it's hard. Sometimes it's good days, you know, sometimes it's it's hard. And it, it hasn't always been hunky-dory. It's, we've had a bit of a struggle, especially with the twins, you know. Well, we're going to be talking about that later uh, in in the programme. And why does a good God give give uh, challenges uh, to people who he clearly loves? Yeah. We'll, we'll tackle that a wee bit later on. But just now, let's have a listen to this. This is Hope FM. Now, my very special guests today in the studio, uh, as you've been uh, hearing, are uh, Jenny and Neil Ross. And uh, uh, they've been sharing, uh, first of all, about their journey to faith and very, very different. Jenny brought up uh, in uh, in a Christian home uh, and Neil uh, really in in quite the opposite but then of course uh, thing after your baptism even you know things were to to happen at home what what happened yeah so after the baptism service we we went back to my my mum's house um for a celebration on my family and i was age 30 at the time when i got baptized and um since i was a child my brother john had become a christian and he was now a vicar so at my mum's house he took me to one side and and on, and he prayed for me on on our own and while he was praying with me, um, I started to shake, and I had a vision. I didn't know about visions at that time. And, and what the vision was, it was like looking through a telescope, and I saw, like, a hill in the distance, and then the telescope zoomed up, and as it got closer, I saw a figure, and saw a figure on a cross. And as it zoomed up even closer, I felt myself going up to the cross and to the left-hand side of Jesus, and then getting a pain in my chest, and then going to the foot of the cross... So after that, I said to my brother, oh, what does that mean? And, and he said, well, I don't know. You'll have to ask somebody, your vicar at your local church. So I said, OK. And anyway, up to my baptism, I'd read the four Gospels. And then after the baptism, I started reading through the rest of the New Testament. And I got to a verse in Galatians chapter, 20, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And St Paul said, um, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that's, wow, it was like a light bulb moment. That's what that vision was. On my baptism, I've been crucified with Christ. Jesus then baptised me with his Holy Spirit. And that's what baptism's all about, being crucified with Christ for your sins. 
and then being baptised you know what, Spirit. one of the things I love is interviewing people the story that you just told about having a vision and so on that when you have no clue what's going on you know what on earth is this you know, <laughs> but it sort of authenticates your you know I mean nobody told you to, to yeah. that, that this is what should happen even your brother yeah. couldn't give you the interpretation you know but it must be a great encouragement to you have you have you had dreams and visions since I've, I've had a few uh, visions couple over the years but not like every day not every week <laughs> yeah, now and again they come along yeah, it makes them special vision. doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Ab- absolutely now obviously let's let's move on because uh you married obviously and along came uh, your firstborn uh well you named him joshua, joshua. You? and uh, and josh is 22 now why joshua well so as i said when i um um, when I first became a Christian at the home group, this lady prayed for me, and she, uh, one of the men were praying for me. This lady said that the Lord gave her a, a verse from Joshua chapter one, verse nine, and uh, so it said that um, she's God speaking to Joshua. He said, "Have I not commanded you? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go." And that verse has always been very special to me. So anyway, I was working in in a bank in the city of London at the time, and uh, I went to a. A, a lunchtime service at the city temple and you were talking about visions earlier and when I was at that service I could hear a voice uh, of the Lord saying um, Jenny's pregnant and you're going to have a son like we knew she was pregnant but this was just before her 20th and um, you hadn't you hadn't had the scan or anything? no this is for the so, 20th uh, week scan so when I came home I told Jenny about this uh, what I heard in the service I said the Lord's told us we're going to have a son I'd like to name him Joshua well of course a couple of weeks later she had the scan and it was confirmed that she was going to have a son so, <laughs> so Joshua was, was was born were you there for his birth? yeah yeah, we were, I was there yeah, yeah. did you cry again? <laughs> <laughs> he's always crying he's <laughs> well actually I think it's important because I mean men don't often like to talk you know right. about emotions but actually it's important isn't it for, for men to show emotions just as it is for anybody really yeah it? sure yeah. well it was a difficult birth because Joshua had the cord around his throat his neck, his neck so that made it a difficult birth for Jenna yeah yeah, and I ended up with a C-section, you know, because it was an emergency in the end, wasn't it? So, yeah. Um, now, then, of course, uh, the twins were, were to come along uh, and uh, a couple of years later. Yeah. And uh, when did it become uh, evident that things weren't as they should be? Well, uh, being they were obviously with twins and stuff, and um, when we used to go to, like, the health checks and things like that, um, it got... Before they were two, we were having trouble getting them to eat properly. And they wouldn't eat anything lumpy. You know, when you go from um, smooth food into lumpy food, anything lumpy, they were just really physically sick. And um, and it was Neil that was working as a healthcare assistant. He was looking after a 14-year-old boy. And he kept coming home saying, I think our boys have got the same thing. Because Nathaniel was doing this repetitive thing in the sandpit, was shaking the sand around and... Um, <clears throat> one of the biggest signs is the fact that um, um, they wouldn't respond to their names. So, um, yeah, Neil can carry on. I've got a cough. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was looking after a young boy called Nathaniel as well, and he, he had autism, and, and I recognised the, the traits. And so that's what I said to Jenny, I think Nathaniel might have got autism, yeah. And in fact, it, it turned out that not only uh, uh, Nathaniel w- uh, with the autism, but but your other son uh, as well, Mark as well, yeah, yeah. had autism. So, <clears throat> so what were your thoughts about that? I mean, I mean, here you had God's promise, 
you know, to bless you and so on. But did did you think, God, why? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was absolutely devastated. I remember uh, it, was, it was the January. I was due Jonathan in the February. Um, they were two, um, and I had to have the healthcare. F- the healthcare assistant came round to give me my little red book ready for the next baby and it was when they, she was around we said look can you just have a look at my other two we're really worried we think there might be a problem and she took five minutes watching the plane she said yeah you've got a problem definitely and I don't know how we managed to do it because all, all I ever hear nowadays is how it takes ages to get diagnosis and all this sort of thing but mine were diagnosed and had all the doctor's appointment within that month so by the time Jonathan came around came along everything they'd had their diagnosis um and we start going to the child development center regularly every week um so it all came about so quickly um yeah <laughs> yeah so this was in paul and the the doctor there and a nurse specialist they watch nathaniel play pretend play and, they, and after 20 minutes they they could see that they had the uh, autism and, and i don't mind saying yeah me and jenny both broke down you know yeah, it was. A, I was, was devastated. I was in tears. You know, I think when we, I think by the time we did get to there, and they, even though they, we knew by the time we got there, there was definitely autism. Uh, but even hearing them saying your children have got a problem, they've got this autism, it still cuts the heartstrings. That you know, your heart sinks. You know, but I do do remember as I was coming out of this child events, child development centre after that um, um, time with them, I remember just thinking, what could be worse? You know. There's so many children going into that um, child development centre that haven't just got autism. You were working in childcare as well. Yeah, yeah. Haven't even haven't just got autism. They've got physical problems. Also, with our boys, okay, socially they struggle, but physically, as the little children, they were perfectly fine and they enjoyed everything any any child did other child did it's just off socially they had a lot of issues and you know it's hard for them you know so i mean obviously i and i know that you have lot lots of contact with other people who have children who have not just autism but of course other forms of disability mm. uh, and so on um what, what what did you learn in in those in those early days of challenge i mean obviously you were upset I was devastated because obviously all my life I've worked with children. It's always been my thing working with children. I was a nanny before I had um, got married and had mine. And um, so suddenly having these children that were completely different, it made things very difficult because just going out the door, any family with children know how hard it is to get to church in the morning with all your children. And with autism, it's even harder, you know, because I had two of them and they're very rebellious. So, you know, I'd be getting one of them dressed and all ready to go out the door and then I go to dress the other one. The other one's run upstairs and stripped off, and I've got to do it again. So you know, there's always massive challenges with them with their with their autism behaviour. You know what I mean? And um, and then obviously I wanted my children to have the same upbringing I had because I had this wonderful Christian upbringing, and um, and I want my my children to have the same. But we had very difficulties sort of fitting into a church because of that. And obviously we couldn't go every Sunday because it became too difficult and the Sundays we did go there they could be quite noisy and um, so and how did people react to that? Um, people everyone's been we're always very kind and friendly but we just always got the feeling that um, sometimes when we were in the service it was too they wanted them you know it was too loud for them and they couldn't cope with the noise um, there was one church we went to where we were told um, they didn't want the boys in the sermon because it was too disruptive. Um, were they shown out? And- <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I don't, 
I don't have any judgment on churches. You know, I think churches, I think churches are families, another extension of your family, and not every church fits fits you. You've got to find that family that fits you. And um, at the time when we were looking for churches, we just couldn't find that church that f- could fit. But we used to, as a family, we used to make our own church. Really, we used to have our own routine. Some Sundays when we didn't go to church. We'd do our forest walk, and we'd walk round the forest. And while we were walking round the, round the forest with the boys, that's when I'd be singing all my old children's choruses because the twins love singing. <laughs> and that's be when we would be walking through the forest, praying and saying right. our prayers. As walking, because no one can hear you. You're in a forest. We used to, and they used to love that little. That's one of my children's books I made into the forest time, because um, that's one of our um, fond memories of the twins doing that walk on the Sundays. We felt we couldn't cope with church. You know, we'd go to, for our forest walk, you know, do our praying and our... See, you're having, you're having church in the great outdoors yeah. and, <clears throat> and uh, worshipping God yeah. and, you know, and whatever. Now, how, how did... Because obviously you had Jonathan uh, there who was himself, you know, qu- quite young. How did he cope with the twins? Um, he hit the him and... Between him and Joshua, they're quite different with it. With Jonathan, I think he found them quite annoying, you know, because they'd barge in, even now, he, they'll barge into his room. He's like, what have they got to come in my room for? And, you know, he's just like, gets a bit fed up with it. But Josh's, his, his relationship with the twins have been a lot closer. You know, he's got a bit more, because we're all different how we deal with things like that. And mm-hmm. I suppose he, he's, yeah, I don't know, he's just been the big brother. He's just been a lot closer and he's got an amazing relationship with them. You know, um, John, I can see Jonathan loves them as well, but I think he finds them a bit more annoying than Joshua does, you know, so... You well, know. he's in his teens, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. being a teen next week, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 and, and whatever. Yeah. So when when did you, or what helped you to move from the initial, I suppose there must have been a bit of despair, you know, how am I going to cope, you know, with, well, initially three small children, uh, you know, so did, did that go through your head, Jenny? Yeah, it did. No, I've, I've had many times, um, especially at night when I'm not getting any sleep and I'm, I'm up all night with them, you know, many times I've been in tears, you know, it was only uh, even only a few years ago. I remember being because Nathaniel just wouldn't just get into bed. He would do all these rituals and um, repetitive stuff before he would get into bed. And one of the biggest things is holding the duvet up in, in the air. And he, he'd be, jump into bed, then get out again, jump into bed, and I'd have to do. And I could be doing this for a couple of hours before he actually got into bed. So I felt like my son was torturing me every flipping night. You know, <laughs> you know and there, there'd be sometimes when I'd just break down in tears, say, "Lord, why? Why am I going through this? This is awful. You know, why aren't you helping me? Why? You know." And um, and I think, and I remember the time that was going. I remember reading a book um, about um, um, suffering. Um, and it was all about how it just it was the right time to read that book because it just taught me about how there's sin in the world the sin is caused by us not by God you know and it's the sin of the world that causes all these horrible things to happen you know and it's not my fault it's not God's fault it's just you know yeah so it sort of gave me the grace to think okay Lord you can't really change too much, but you, at least you can be with me through it, you know. <laughs> so I think sometimes, and I think when you go through things like this, it makes you lean on God more, and it makes you question Him, even when you are angry, which is great because I think it's His way of getting you to get closer to Him because you're talking to Him, you're sharing with Him, and 
I'm one of these Christians. I spend, spend spend my whole day talking to God. You know, I have my moments when I sit and pray and read the Bible. I have my, but I tend to. I'm, I'm a sort of every couple of minutes person talking to God. So why is this happening? Why is this? And, and, yeah, and sometimes like, getting on the yeah, go. all the time. You know, so especially with the twins and not going to church so much, I spend my time just. Um, praying throughout the day really about things things I was worrying about and struggling with and I, th- I do believe God gave me the strength to be really patient as well I learned a lot about patience because like Mark his repetitive nephew just eat f- eating food because we spent many years but they wouldn't eat um, solid food well they've Every- just gone out of summer yeah. haven't they recently yeah no no we'd I'd have to blend everything and even sitting at the t- um, dinner table it'd take them ages to take that first spoonful and I remember my sister sitting there watching Jen I don't know how you do it you've got so much patience but then if I get stressed out and upset he'll pick up on it straight away he'll start getting stressed it just wasn't worth it I just had to learn just to just be patient just go with you the know? flow yeah, yeah yeah let's have your next piece of music and uh, uh, this is from City Alight uh, yet not I but Christ through me why this one Jenny because a lot of changes are happening in my life at the moment and there's things that I'm starting to um, do like I've um, I started up the Sparkle Time um, support group for autist, local autism families at St um, at Emmanuel Church and and there's lots of things coming up and there's another thing that's coming up soon where I'm going into the school first time ever I'm probably the most shyest person and and I've been asked to go and stand up in front of the assembly to talk about autism my experience and you know I'm quite excited and I'm really in, in, I know it's a bit of a challenge but I know I, I, it's not my natural I'm not na- naturally that good in front of people so well, people listening can hear, <laughs> hear how shy and retiring you are in expressing yourself not <laughs> but anyway yeah so it's, it's another challenge for me i know if god's with me through this it will be okay and i'm just trusting that you know and i've in life i've learned i've just got to you know just lean on him and let him take over and just guide me and for whatever i do you know yeah that he's with me with it <laughs> This is Hope FM. And if you've just joined us, uh, well, very good morning to you. My very special guests today are, are Jenny and Neil Ross. They have four children, uh, two of them. Uh, well, I'm saying children, actually, but uh, Joshua is now 22, so he's an adult. And jo- Jonathan is actually 18 uh, next week, so he becomes an adult. Uh, and the twins, who both of whom have autism, Nathaniel and Mark, they are now uh, 20. Where do the years uh, go, you know? I don't know, but they're always going to be my babies, uh, you know. They might be 22 and 20 and nearly 18, but... Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, my, I, I was always my mum's baby. She always insisted <laughs> in doing my hair, you know, and I'll tell you the rigmarole that we went through, you know. <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, obviously, uh, Neil, Jenny has talked about how she felt, you know, about the boys. Then there was early days of, you know, yeah. of coping and their, their, their behaviour and getting sleepless nights and so on. How did you cope? Right, so there's three things. Like, so the first thing everybody will know with autism is the biggest problem is communication. So Nathaniel and Mark are both non-verbal, although Nathaniel can say a few little words and he can he loves music and he can whistle a few tunes, not whistle, sing a few tunes on Coronation Street. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So, I think so I've heard him singing that in church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you suddenly yeah. get this. Because I was, I was leading his worship, and all of a sudden there was a da 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 da. Yeah, that's what he does, Nathaniel. And of course, the thing is, 
you know, it's a big problem if they can't talk, especially if they're in pain and they can't tell you where the pain is or, or why they're in pain or why they're upset or anything like that. And the other thing with autism, as people know, is learning to live with chaos. Um, both my boys are, are escape artists, like especially Mark. When they were younger, they, they're trying to escape they out. Yeah, yeah. They try to escape out their bedroom window, and then they're trying to escape out the car if they didn't like the And journey. where would they escape to? Well, if they had escaped out their bedroom window, they would have ended up um, on the garden floor, uh, probably yeah. with a broken neck. So oh, no. It was a bit of a worry. <laughs> Hopefully they didn't succeed. No, so we had to make sure we got double glazing in and things like that and sure. stuff where they, to make it all safe. And then, obviously, with the, with the chaos, um, if in a typical lounge, you might have a bookcase and a CD case. Well, if your children have autism, they'll pull all the books off onto the floor and the CDs onto the floor, so you can't have that. And then Mark, um, one of my boys, he, he after breakfast, he likes to go upstairs and he'll bring all the quilts down and put them at the bottom of the staircase, and that's where those quilts stayed all day. <laughs> so that's the duvets down the stairs, the house, but He still does that now. So he has a thing about duvets, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he gets everyone duvet and they all end up down the... Uh, as soon as he's had his breakfast in the morning, he'll, he'll grab everyone's duvet and chuck them down the stairs. So it's his way of making the bed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, but anyway, <laughs> but before the twins were diagnosed, mm-hmm. I, I worked for eight months in a locally-based hospital unit in Milford-on-Sea. I was looking after adults with autism and learning disabilities and only lasted eight months, and I thought it was a bit of a waste of time. But looking back, I think God used that time to prepare me to look after Nathaniel Mark. And I've got to, I've got to say, and I think it's true with some people that I might have felt embarrassed walking down the street with my boys if I hadn't worked at that place first. But I got used to walking down the street with adults with autism and holding their arm and holding their hand, so I overcome that embarrassment. So I, God prepared you. So God prepared me in that way. Um, obviously, with autism, it's something you, you you learn on a daily basis. It's not the same as everybody else. I made the mistake of um, when I go to the school visits thinking that. Um, that looking at the older children, oh, let's say Nathaniel Mark will be in five years' time, but you can't do that because they're not like that. They're all individual, and that's the mistake I made, and I, I shouldn't have done that. You've got to take each child individually, mm-hmm. and they develop at their rate or not. And as Jenny mentioned earlier, my twin boys didn't start eating solid foods until they were 19, and uh, you know, and they're still in pads now sometimes when they're at home. Yeah. There's two things really that comes to mind. I mean, obviously there'll be people listening to the program here who will, who either will within their family have children with different disabilities and so on. Uh, maybe even you know adults because your your boys are now really adults, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, with mm-hmm. disability. Um, what about support? I mean, you were very fortunate because the you had a very quick diagnosis diagnosis, but that's not always the case. I know you've you've been meeting and talking to lots of other people, Jenny. Yeah, well, obviously at the Sparkle Time group, especially the last session we had um, a few weeks ago, talking to some of the other mums and the, the stories I'm having told to me about how it's taken ages for them to get the diagnosis in the schools, which means their child's not getting the right support. And even some mums were telling me how some of the so, um, social workers are telling them that they're terrible mothers if they're, they're having problems. And I just think that's not that can't be right, you know. And I think... Um, obviously my, mine got a diagnosis really young but even then it took me a long time I, I didn't really get much support I had a little bit of respite for a little while um, in the school holidays I might get two two 
days where the carers would take them out for a little while for me so we had a break but every school holiday we had where most children would be down the beach enjoying the sunshine me and my four boys would be stuck in the house because it was too dangerous for me to go out and about with them on my own and also obviously there were organisations at that time like um, coping with chaos but even then um, I found it very hard to do that on my own because obviously when they went into the soft playrooms to play they didn't want to play on the soft play they wanted to find the fire escapes so at one stage me and Neil were at a, a soft play all the other mums were sitting down relaxing while the kids were running around me and Neil were um, all the um, he was on one fire escape and I was at the other one just making sure they didn't try and escape <laughs> so it wasn't really relaxing so we sort of gave up on that as well so it was, it was really hard a lot of things we we weren't able to do but then you know even some I spoke to my um, youngest recent Jonathan I said to him oh you know when it you know you were younger and we were stuck in the house a lot spent a lot of summer in the garden rather than going down the beach and stuff like that I said did it bother you and he said oh no mum I love those times they're my favourite times and I so love that because it just made me feel better (laughs) you were were together weren't you yeah yeah and to be honest I did used to try and make it fun you know um, you know we'd always have a trampoline or a big paddling pool in the garden and um, and obviously we used to have a lot of cousins come round to us rather than us go to them because it was easier so they always had people to play with and you know and a, a lot of the friends they have now they still have now and they're used to the twins you know even now Nathaniel we're not careful he'll walk around Starkers and but everyone's used to it who come into our house so they don't think much of it and to be honest he tends to hide himself in his bedroom most of the time which is probably a good thing <laughs> so um, <laughs> you know when he is around but um, but yeah so yeah <laughs> So if somebody's listening to us right now, Jenny, and they're having problems either in the diagnosis process uh, or indeed with insensitive people saying you're a poor mom, which is terrible if that is being said to anybody, you know, Uh, but what advice did you did you get get your fight? Oh, I I had to fight all the time with my boys um, to get respite. um, And um, we went for a phase where... um, the boys started at Linwood School. They went to Springwood School. They were brilliant schools. The boys are really happy for a long time there. Um, for some reason, when they moved to the Springwood campus, where it's just for the autism um, young children, they never settled properly there. Um, and they had the t- staff were brilliant. You know, there's nothing against them. It's just the, the, the twins had changed and they couldn't cope with that environment anymore. You know, and they obviously tried everything to try and settle them in. It wasn't going to happen. So I probably spent about a month or so when I had Mark and Nathaniel stuck at home. I couldn't get them anywhere. And um, and then that's when someone said, I'll get an MP involved. So I thought, um, OK, so I emailed a few local MPs and I had one from the Labour Party come round and I think he was just round for a chat and a cup of tea and a biscuit because he wasn't that much good. He just sat there saying, well, what can I do? What can I'm thinking? But I want you to tell me what you can do, not for me to ask. You know, you've heard my story. What can you do? You know, but then eventually I got a, a phone call from Tobias Elwood's secretary saying he'd like to meet me. So I went to meet him in Boscombe and I told him what was happening. I showed him a video of Nathaniel literally beating himself up because he was so stressed out. He wasn't happy at all. And he was horrified. And I don't know what he did or how he did it, but um, um, he managed to find... I never even knew of the Sheelan School. He found the Sheelan School for us. And so the boys moved on to there. And How long have they been there now? Oh, how many years? Since 2017. At least six, seven years now, I reckon. Yeah. And um, so they moved on to there, which was residential. For the first time in my life, um, we had weeks off. And not for the first year or so, they carried on coming home for the holidays, but eventually they carried on going to school 
of the weeks of the holidays. So obviously they're home every weekend, but the weeks of the holidays, they carry on going to school. So basically the first... So we had some summers where it was just Josh and Jonathan. We had some time on our own, which was amazing. But it, it took a, a little, long time to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. They, it was like... I was about 16 they were about 16 then weren't they yeah. that all started so we had 16 years of very little support mm. but it is so it, I know what it's like not to have that support yeah. and everything is a fight mm. it shouldn't be mm. and this is why um, with the help of the manual I wanted to do something to support the local mums with autism and, and dads obviously families that need a bit of support to come along feel supported talk to other parents in the same situation so they feel supported and also that I'm praying is is a prayer and it's is in God's hands. If it happens, is I'm trying to set up a charity for respite using the sparkle time um, to raise money for respite. So to start giving families something to look forward to, have that you know because I spent so such a lot of time like even when the twins were gone off to school and I'd sit there and I had nothing for me I had no time for me at all you know and I, I'd sit there quite numb thinking I've got and I lacked motivation for a long time because I because I couldn't go out I got to the point I didn't want to go out actually so I just lacked that, lacked that most motivation and you know yeah so it yeah did you have, did you have other or did you meet other other parents at that time who also had disabled children? No, to be honest, I, to be honest, I didn't have much time because my boys took up my time. I mean, you know, and th- there was a few um, other parents I was uh, in contact with through the things I took them to, and um, but to be honest, I didn't have time for anything else, you know. And um, you know, the only thing I did when they were um, to help with the autism at home. At the beginning, I used to go to Linwood School regularly to go and learn what they were doing at um, the school so I could bring it into the home, which helped a lot. Um, but obviously, a lot of things they did in the school, they wouldn't do at, the ha- at home at all. So that was a battle. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> now, Sparkle, you mentioned there, because obviously, uh, having gone through what you went through, and obviously, isolation was a very big part of it and and uh and and i guess that the the maybe not for you but guilt is often mixed with that isn't it if, if you think you're not being a good parent you decided to do a couple of things didn't you one was to write some books <laughs> and the and the second of course was to create sparkle <laughs> so, so let's talk about let's talk about the books first of all where did that idea come from well <clears throat> like i said earlier about the um Having that, finally having a summer where the twins the first summer we had where the twins were going to be at school every in the weekdays so I could have a normal week, summer that first summer Jonathan decided to jump over a hurdle at school and break his kneecap so that first summer we were going to have some time we didn't have that time because we're stuck in the house for eight weeks with, with him healing his broken kneecap so I was sitting there thinking and at the time uh, my sister very very like, like me not very academic always struggled she suddenly got through a degree and I thought and I was sitting there going what can I do I want to do something I want to do something I'm not just going to sit here for eight weeks and do nothing I want to do something positive you know so um yeah and I just came I've always worked with children I'm very arty you know I wouldn't say I was the best artist but I do okay and um I just thought let's have a go at writing a children's book so that's when my amazing house of autism came along and I did that, and I really enjoyed doing that book. And I thought, actually, I want to do more of that because I enjoyed it. So I just thought I'd turn Nathaniel Mark into um, um, characters, a bit like the Topsy and Tim stories when I was little, but they're Natty and Matty, the autistic twins. Everything's done by, by time, and everything's simple. And I've brought in all the little things we used to do, like forest time, when I was a little forest walks, and beach time, 
going to the beach and how they were on the beach. So you drew on your experience. Yeah, everything's uh, like almost a memory of when they were little and what mm-hmm. we used to do. And all the stories bring in all the... Um, the typical autism traits in there the way they behave when you're out and the flopping to the ground where they don't want to go in a certain direction or um, having a meltdown because I don't know you know there's all there's lots of things in there that really um, bring out the autism in them so young families can learn a bit about autism and how we had to keep things simple and everything had to be the same and um, yeah so people families can relate and people that don't know about autism can learn a bit about autism and I've always been I'm a believer with working with children for so long, I think children pick up things much quicker than adults do. Now, the books are very visual. You, you, yeah. they're, they're, they're very colourful and not so many words, but at the same time, you know, very, very easy. On I mean, I when, when, I, when you first gave me uh, sort of copies of the early books, you know, I was amazed because you do learn things. And clearly that journey that you had. Mm. How did people react to the book, the first one? Um, yeah, so it's really, yeah, people love the book, you know, um, they're loving it. I've got um, a lot of, a few special, um, Lidwood School have got my books now, and um, Springwood have, the Sheen have got my books. I had another lady that brought some books for school near where she lives out near the New Forest somewhere. She wanted to put some into the school and they've loved it. Um, so they're getting around and um, I've everybody who's had a copy and bought have had really good response for saying what a lovely book what a great idea and you know so well, of course you haven't written one you've written a series haven't you yeah i've got i've done about six now <laughs> i have done one but there's nothing to do with autism it's just a bit of fun it's called my big green bogey it's just my sense of humor children it's a silly little book but it's really quite funny but i know that a few one of the mums that said that they bought the book it's really helped her child but blow her nose regularly you know how children hate you wiping their yeah, nose oh, well no. this child hasn't got a problem with it anymore so i've done some good in that <laughs> so you've, you mean you're clearly locked into something there haven't yeah. you because because and i suppose one of the real blessings uh, for for both of you you have a lifetime experience uh, <laughs> of dealing with challenging things and i guess that one the books are one way in which of course you can help other people both children and of course and their parents yeah 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 how do people get hold of the books now if they if they want to well um i was i was selling them through um a selling site called etsy etsy or something but they uh, re- recently i didn't realize that they take quite a lot of un- unexpected charges so i've taken them off there now so to purchase my books um you can either you can email me um on um natty matty Nat- two t's N- yeah natty and matty natty and matty 213 natty and matty 213 at um mail.com mail.com yeah and obviously i can send books to you or also i will be selling that i sell them at the emmanuel cafe um that's in southbourne so you can go along there and, and purchase some books i am on facebook and i've also got a facebook page called my amazing house of autism so you can message me through there um so yeah so there's quite a few ways you can get hold of the books well let's have and, some uh, more music before we uh, move sharply on you know your, your next track is uh, turn your eyes upon jesus uh, by laura daigle why this one jenny because i think it's a classic and i think um as a as a Christian myself, I've had my ups and downs, but I believe I just, my life is to serve God and I want other people to know God's love. And if you've thought about it or you're thinking about it, you're not too sure about God, just say a prayer, just reach out and see what happens. You know, my life 
I, you know, life is full of ups and downs. Life isn't easy for any of us. And just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean th- um, the whole thing, horrible things aren't going to happen. But I know with God beside me, everything is just that much much better. And I feel supported, feel love. Um, yes, yeah, so, so don't hesitate. Reach out to God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You'll, you'll never regret it. This is Hope FM. Now, it may well be that uh, if you have uh, children with special needs yourself or you know of others, you might be thinking, how do I get that support? And Jenny and Neil have learned a lot uh, over the years in bringing up uh, their, their four children, actually. Uh, two, of course, as we've heard, who have autism. Uh, and Jenny's written the books, and I can certainly recommend uh, getting your hands on those books just to say that, yeah, just look, you can write to Jenny at Nat and Matty 210 uh, at mail.com and, uh, and, and also have a look at the Facebook page. What's the Facebook page called, Jenny? It's, it's called My Amazing House of Autism, so um, it's the title of my book. So have a so. look. And I guess they can, can they order through the Facebook as well? Um, yeah, just because if they messenger me then I, and give me their details, I can just post, or if they're local, I can just mm-hmm. deliver it to them to the door, you know. But the other thing so. is, you know, you've heard Jenny talking this morning about, uh, about the potential of isolation, you know, having to be at home and so on. Now, you've done something about that, and you've <laughs> now started a group called Sparkle. Uh, why have you done that, Jenny? Well, it's Sparkle Time, because it's another time. <laughs> but yeah, Sparkle Time. Basically, I wanted to do set up a group for local members to have just somewhere they can go regularly just to have chill out with their children and their siblings, you know, because they also get forgotten about. Um, just have an hour or so to, just to relax, talk to other mums who are going through the same thing and, you know, just to feel su- supported and have some time out, really. And... Um, um, so far, it's been amazing um, support, really b- greatly supported. Um, the next one's on Saturday, the 26th of February, from 10 till 11.30. So do come along if you haven't been before and you want support. And it's, it's a great time, isn't it? We've got um, a lovely um, sensory room, soft play area for the youngsters, the young, younger children. And also we've got a big hall with big games for the big kids. And last time we did it, we've actually got a cinema room as well and last time we played flushed away and we'd do lots of disney films and requests if they want it just to have some one place that some kids uh, we've had a few autis- autistic children coming in that can't couldn't cope with the chaos of the kids running around so it was nice to have a quieter room for the quieter ones that just wanted to sit quietly and watch a film and so uh, and what sort of support have you had neil from the from the folk ago yeah, I've been uh, talking to the parents, and it's been very encouraging. They've, they've, a lot of them have said that uh, they enjoy it there, and, and can we do it more often? But at the moment, it's just once a month, and uh, cause there's lots of activities, lots of other activities go on there. So um, whether it grows or not, it, it depends on the Lord. I mean, um, but the, the thing is as well, I think that autism autism is on the increase. And uh, I believe that the Lord uh, loves those children, those people with autism, and cares about the parents as well. And I feel for myself and Jenny, it's um, with the help of the Emmanuel Church, uh, the people there, it's our way of serving the Lord in the community to reach out to those people. I see that as our mission, you know. Mm -hmm. When did you say your next session was? It's on Saturday, the 26th of February. And we have drinks, and it's free. 
Um, Because I decided that, (laughs) you know, especially at the moment with the rising cost of everything, it's nice to have one thing you can come to that doesn't cost any money. But we do have a donation box. So uh, if you feel like you can spare a pound and put it in the box, that's great. Or if you win the Um, lottery, you can Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you haven't, money's tight and you can't quite manage it, just come along. What time? Um, What time? It's 10 10 a.m. till 11.30. Fantastic. So, so get that in your diary, folks. That's the 20, 26th of uh, of February. Let, let's have another piece of music. I'm, I'm thinking about how I get all your music fitted in. <laughs> such a lot to talk about. This is Waymaker. Great yeah. track. Yeah. Do you want to introduce it? Um, yeah, we, do you know, we actually sung this song a few weeks ago at church, and I loved it so much. I thought it was brilliant. So that's one of the reasons why I chose it. <laughs> so fill the lungs and uh, sing away. <laughs> Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Wow, Chris, great song there from uh, Leland, uh, Waymaker. Now, Jenny, your next big project with Neil is to set up a charity. And I I think there's a great need for one, isn't there, to support families and children like... uh, with the sort of thing that you've you've both had to face, yeah, because I obviously um I've did a did a bit of work with um, Portfield School recently, and I um when I approached them about doing a charity because I thought maybe I could do something with them, they might have already started something because there's autism Wessex, but when I approached them about it, they said my idea was brilliant because there's nothing for that sort of age group from like school school years school age kids really from. Um, four to like um 15 16 years there's nothing um as in respite and stuff and i just thought i I really want to do something to stop the um families not getting enough support and and it's not having something to look forward to and when you're stuck in this um bubble of autism the whole time and you've got nothing else uh, you know parents need that break they need that release um so the idea of the charity is to raise money to maybe pay for days out, to have carers to go with them, um, you know, maybe have a, a night away in a low. It doesn't have to be far. It could just be a local hotel. Mm-hmm. Just have a couple of nights sleep with their other mm-hmm. siblings to get a break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, things like that, really. And that's why um, I'm, I'm actually, we're going to see Peter and Ruth after this to talk about it and um, t- um, start raising money for um, respite. Absolutely, and, I think yeah. I can hear all the amens. You know, people <laughs> listening to us right now uh, and, and support. And of course, uh, yeah, I think I think it's very, very fundable. And the most important thing is it makes a very. I mean, you needed that support yourselves, didn't you? Yeah. Both, you both did. Mm-hmm. So you, nobody knows better than you and Neil. Mm-hmm. You know the, what the difference that support can make, and doing doing fun things yeah. that, that, the, that the young people can cope with. And also meeting these um, parents at the Sparkle Time, it's realising that over these 20 years since our, our boys came along and the years of autism we've had with them, that the, the respite hasn't changed. People are still struggling to get mm. that support and and it just is so sad. There's nothing, yeah, nothing for them. Yeah. So our charity is um, going to be linked to the Sparkle Time and it's going to be called Sparkle Respite Project. Um, so... Um, watch this space because you'll probably see hear about it soon. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's have some more music. I'm going to get your last two tracks in, and this is because um, through all of this, in quite an amazing way, many challenges, but clearly many blessings. Yeah. And this next song is Lara's story with the 
with blessings. Yeah, the, the reason why I love this song is because um, it, actually I came across it. It was um, about a year or so ago. I was having a really not, bad night with Nathaniel. He just wasn't going to settle. And, um, you know, I was very tearful because I was struggling with him. And and the next day in the car, I came across this song. I never heard it before. And it almost felt like she was singing, that they were my words, you know, not hers. Singing it to you. Yeah, <laughs> and the, I think Laura in the story who wrote this song, her husband had a brain tumour or something and she had lots of sleepless nights and it was a nightmare for her. But I, I really related to the words in this song. So that's why I chose it. <laughs> This is Hope FM. Well, that's uh, Lara's story and uh, blessings. And a big thank you to Jenny uh, and to Neil for joining us today. Don't forget to put that date for the uh, Sparkle meeting uh, in. That's the 26th of February at Emmanuel Church. 10 o'clock is the, is the, is the meeting time. Look out for Jenny's book and, uh, and check out uh, the, the Facebook, uh, My Amazing House of Autism. But for now, from Jenny and Neil and indeed myself, it's goodbye and God bless. And taking us out, uh, a lovely song again chosen by Jenny. This is the amazing Shout to the Lord. Bye-bye and God bless. This is Hope FM.